Welcome to the CRE Resource Show. CRE Resources is a unique recruitment agency with a single focus of providing CRE staffing for clinical studies across North America. My name is Becky Clark and I'm Operations Manager at CRE Resources. Today, we're sitting down with Angela Roberts, Head of Recruiting and special guest, Jeslyn Atanu. Jeslyn is a clinical researcher who's been in the industry for over seven years. Jesslyn has also founded the Crown Network, a forum for mentoring women in clinical research. She is also a trainer at the CRA Academy. So before we get started, make sure to visit CRAResources.com slash blog to catch up on our latest blog posts. You can also sign up there to get this content delivered to your inbox. So I'll turn it over to Angela and she can give us more details on our topic today. Thank you, Miss Becky. And, you know, for those of you that are in my network, you've heard me shouting from the rooftops about the fraudulence that we are dealing with within this industry. Fraudulence not from a perspective of study conduct so much, but fraudulence from a perspective of candidate fraudulence. And of course, with our niche being in the CRA space, that is the area that we have the data. So that's really the area that we we can speak to more than anything else. And so the reason why we've invited Ms. Jeslin to come to um, the phone today with us and to have a discussion is she was part of the network that I had reached out to about hey, I need everybody to know what, you know, let's educate the industry on the CRA candidate fraudulence issue that we're dealing with. And she had a beautiful um, response back, and I thought it would be a very worthwhile discussion for us to have today. So, Jeslyn, thank you so much for joining. Before we begin, though, I haven't heard of this Crown Network. So, and I apologize, perhaps I should have heard of this Crown Network. I know of Dan Safera and the CRA Academy, and I, I mean, he probably knows of me like I've known him even though we don't know each other but tell me a little bit about crown network what you're trying to accomplish there and all that good stuff all right good afternoon or morning to everyone whenever you're watching this thank you angela and becky for this opportunity to speak to our beloved industry so um the short simple and concise explanation of what Crown is, which Crown is the Clinical Research Organized Women's Network, acronymed being Crown. It is simply just that it's a network that I created with the heart of having us in the industry. My um, primary audience is women, but of course, men who are, you know, open to learning more about the industry can join <laughs> in. But the heart is to create a forum, a safe space where we can all come in, learn this industry, receive guidance and men mentorship from those who are experienced and help each other to be better in this space, in this clinical researcher. So it's a network for all to learn, to receive mentorship, and to have resources that will help us grow in this industry. Okay. Well, that's wonderful. And that's a really good, um, it, that's a good resource to know about for mm -hmm. sure. And and I think now that, you know, now that I know a little bit more about that background, it makes me understand a little bit better about your response. Because for those <laughs> of you guys that are listening, you know, I've been, I came into the year 2024 with a fire in my belly to shout out to, from the rooftops about the CRA candidate fraudulence. Now, we've been dealing with CRA candidate fraudulence for a long time, long, long time. 
Um, I first started writing and blogging about this issue in 2016, was invited to speak at the ACRP Global Conference in 2018. Mm -hmm. um, also collaborated with them on some webinars and some e-learning programs, as well as spoke at some of the ACRP individual chapter symposiums that year as well. Um, been published several times in, in different groups and forums, um, actual written uh, magazines as well as online magazines, Clinical Leader is one of them, et cetera, um, the, you know, Clinical Connection. I mean, there's been a whole bunch of them because there's a there's a big fire about it and it's not getting better. It's in, yeah. in from my view of the universe, it's actually getting worse. And I don't know about you, Jeslyn, but I'm sick and darn tired of dealing with it because it's a waste of time and energy and yeah. it's putting our industry, our beloved industry, as you said, at risk, right? Yes, um, not only that, but then we also have the issue of, I'm calling it accidental discrimination because <laughs> I don't want to point too many fingers, but it's also causing um, a lot of strife to certain ethnic groups too, because rather than managers wanting to just deal with how do we rule out fraudulent candidates, they're pointing fingers at entire ethnic groupings mm -hmm. and saying, I'm just not going to talk to people of this color or this race this background this whatever and that isn't the right approach to take either and so i loved the fact that you responded back to the email that i sent out just kind of saying hey this is going on let's talk about it yeah. because you had some really 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 good points mm -hmm. um so with that being said one of the topics that you brought up was barrier for entry in the clinical research. Now, knowing that you're the founder of Crown, and, and from my understanding, that is one of the things that that's supposed to help solve is giving people a direction on how yes. to break into the industry. Talk to me about what you see as an issue whenever it comes to being able to break into clinical research in general. So one of the most amazingly, amazingly crazy barrier that I've seen is the lack of entry-level positions in clinical research. So um, obviously there are positions in clinical research like maybe a CRC or a clinical research um, assistant that exist, but typically those are not the roles that a lot of qualified professionals want to get in. So for example, if um, I have, which I do have a lady in my network, she has a foreign MD. Mm -hmm. And she's, of course, an adult female with a family. So trying to get into clinical research and you're telling her, well, go apply for CRC assistant position right. that pays, I don't know, maybe $15 an hour. She's not going to want that because she cannot survive on that. Of course, she wants in the industry, but she cannot survive on mm -hmm. that low paid position. So points being the lack of actual authentic entry-level positions into the industry. Another example of that is when you look at a lot of, for example, the CRE positions, which is what a lot of industry professionals are aiming for and want to get into, they want to get into a position as a CRA. But mm. when you look at, I dare say, 95% of the jobs, if not 99%, none of them are entry-level. They may imply entry level but when you look through the job descriptions it asks for two years of direct monitoring experience right. well the question would then be how would these entry level professionals get that experience when nobody is going to give them that opportunity mm -hmm. where are they supposed to get that from 
So that is the biggest thing is the lack of actual entry level positions that exist in the industry. I love that. And and um, I agree. It's it's the chicken and the egg syndrome, isn't it? Yes. And I, I do know that there are some organizations that are becoming more robust in their offerings for entry level because this. OK, let's just. Let's just throw the <laughs> elephant out in the middle of the room, right? First of all, yeah. CRA position is not an entry-level position. No, it's not. So, <laughs> so, but, but, yeah, but if we're having the discussion about an entry-level CRA position, I, I, I agree that I think it's a big challenge to, to be able to break into that role. But I do know that there are some organizations that are getting a little better about the creation of training and internship programs to help people bridge into a real J-O-B, journey over broke or a career path or, you know, that type of thing. Cineos, for example, one of the, the, um, the, there's a task academy group that is starting to put together some really strong educational um, programs. It goes beyond certification, and it's called the Task Academy. It's based out of South Africa. They've partnered with a group called the IAOCR, which is out of England, um, and they're trying to put together a stronger program to help individuals become n- not just certified and to do the book learning on becoming a CRA, but also some hands-on experience and that type of thing and one of the and I was invited to speak at one of their webinars more recently and one of the gals that was invited to speak with me is her name's Tammy Masters sorry Tammy I should have probably mentioned this before I threw your name out there but she is the director over the the training program at Cineos and they have built an incredible entry-level CRA training program over there um, and and it's what is, is specifically targeted for individuals who have clinical research foundations but are looking to break into the CRA role and what I love about that program is of course it helps to better define how do you how do you go from point A to B yeah. what I hate about the whole concept of it is nobody knows about it which yep. brings <laughs> us to the real discussion of Cineos can't be the only ones that's doing this. From what I understand from the task force is there are sponsors who offer internship programs. We know that companies like Parkcell and PPD do entry level programs as well. I just don't know that much about them, right? Back yeah. in the day, Novella, when Novella was still Novella before they became IQV Biotech, they had a great program. MedPace did as well. So my question is, is there a way for us in the industry to be able to come up with a list so that we can point people who want to become a CRA that here's your list (laughs) of places that offer entry-level CRA programs so that you can get your feet in the door, compete, at least you know what you're competing for. You're not, you know, leaving it all to chance, right? And see if there's some way that you can at least start from here and move from there. I don't know. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes a world of sense. So one thing that I've learned is knowledge, yes, is power, but the power in knowledge is the utilization of that knowledge. So like you said, um, while it's awesome, I'm literally learning more and more that there are some companies, CROs and firms that do have this entry level opportunities, but 
nobody knows about them. Right. So right. how are people going to then learn about this and begin to like apply or go towards them if nobody knows them? And they definitely can't use that knowledge if they aren't aware of it. Mm-hmm. So um, it makes a world of sense that there are some opportunities that exist, but it's a balance between either they're hidden or they're not sufficiently meeting the needs, the employment needs of the people they seek to hire. Perhaps. So, yeah. 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 And it could be, too, because, you know, we talk about candidate fraudulence, mm-hmm. but it could be, too, that that there are a lot of programs and certifications out there that are also fraudulent. And, yeah. you know, we started I one of the meetings that Becky and I attended with the IOCRs, we started having this discussion and I started compiling a list of all of the certification programs that that I, we see on resumes that come through and started taking a look at some of these programs. And some of these programs are garbage. Oh, I mean, you they don't even have the right definitions of a CRA yeah. out there and they're charging hundreds and in some cases thousands of dollars for individuals to become CRA certified. And it's not an industry recognized recognized certification. It's, you know, and it's and that to me, too, is you're, mm-hmm. you're taking these individuals, I believe, who are really desperately trying to break into the role and maybe they're doing it the right way. They're not getting their crooked pencil out and faking their resumes. Yeah. And then they're being taken for a ride by these organizations that mm-hmm. are promising them a certificate and or education and they're they're not renowned, they're not recognized. It's kind of like going and getting a degree from a an educational institution that's not accredited. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. That's kind of um, very sad to realize. And the one thing that I know is prevalent, irrespective of the industry, is there would always be people who are out there to take advantage of mm-hmm. others, especially those who are basically new or seeking to get in or just need help, there would always be people who are out there to take advantage. So circling back to your point on awareness is for those authentic companies, those authentic trainings and companies that offer opportunities, we need to hear their voices more. Mm -hmm. We need to see and hear more from them. And then definitely podcasts like yours and Dan's Ferris and every other person that does um, podcasts like this. Um, Brad Hightower is another one I can think of off the top of my head. We need to hear more from these people, which I'm glad that we really have some of us speaking up. Mm -hmm. But we need to throw the light on the authentic companies and Mm -hmm. just snuff out the lights of those who are fraudulent. So again, with the different networks, I know my network is not the only one that exists. I know there's another um, couple that exists, but part of what goes into these networks and being a part of an authentic network is before you go into any of these training programs, if you have people who are already in the industry that you can call and say, hey, Um, Angela or hi Becky listen I just found this training program I want to get in so I will be there to tell you uh no (laughs) that's the dollar store you can buy something from there but it's not (laughs) going to be a clinical research education just walk away and save yourself the $1,500 so that's um just having people who are speaking up in the different appropriate forums and shining the light on the appropriate education that will definitely help with that because there would always be people out there that would want to take advantage of people. 
and mislead and misguide them. I, I agree. And that was actually going to be one of my questions for you, because let's let's pretend mm -hmm. that you and I magically solved the problem of barrier to entry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, that would be so beautiful. Yeah, right? So we, it's just poof, it's all fixed. Do yeah. you think that's going to stop people from faking their way in? No. Yeah. And I think that's the big problem, right? I had um, yeah. someone that responded back to one of my messages this week, and she said, I haven't really seen fraudulence per se, but I have seen to where we've hired several CRAs that they didn't do anything and then they just quit. No notice, no nothing. They just went missing. And and see, I think it's the same thing because I know, I know of people who coach in this industry who have told me that they've been told by individuals who want her to coach them that um, they faked it until they make it. They know wow. that they're going to get a job on a fake resume and they know that they're not going to know what they're doing and they know that at some point they're going to get fired or have to leave yeah. and then they're going to use what little bit they learned in that job and take it to the next one and it's going to be a repetitive cycle until they've gained enough experience to not get fired or not to be removed or whatever and I will tell you this too we see managers that are listed as references that we can tell faked it as a CRA because we have their old credentials and digital footprints or we see where they say they worked for companies that didn't exist when they say they worked for them. So we know they faked it until they've made it. Right. So we know it happens. And that's what's damaging our industry. It's costing us tons of money, yeah. tons of time. It's putting these drugs and devices at risk. It's putting patients yes. at risk. It's horrifying, quite honestly. Yes. So I think two things to um, make sure we're clarifying for the audience is there are those who are authentically trying to get in and just probably mm -hmm. hit a rough patch. Yeah. And are just literally desperate to get in or to get a job in the industry. And then there are the other subsets, which is what I believe your focus, Angela, is are those who are just simply for maybe nature or just their faulty, flawed mindset are just seeking to just be fake and fraudulent. <laughs> so it's those ones that I believe are given the industry the worst name. Those who, I don't know, maybe they worked at UPS or some random company, they all of a sudden decide, oh, I hear CRAs make a ton of money. Let me become a CRA. And then they fudge their resume and they switch it. And next thing you know, they're in the industry. So those are the people I think are the ones I referred to when I said, irrespective of all that we do, there would always be people who will fraudulently fake it, try to get in. Mm -hmm. Because it's, I believe it's human nature. That's mm -hmm. the good versus evil. But um, in terms of those who are just genuinely trying to get in, over time, I think it will get better as long as there's the knowledge and the opportunities that allow them to get in. Over time, it's going to get better. And unfortunately, historically, there are those who already got in. They faked it to the made it. But yeah. that's because historically, the industry is not really been loose with allowing people who are new to get in to learn and grow in this industry. 
So it's kind of a catch-22 on that one. Yeah, it's tricky with the, you know, I'm just taking the phrase that you just used, the being loose with entry, you know, because I know a lot Mm -hmm. of our clients, um, I mean, they have to protect their studies and protect the patients that are a part of these studies, you know, being loose on the entry, you know, we don't want to, as Angela mentioned in the beginning, rule out entire groups of people, you know, we don't think that's the right approach. We want to be able to educate hiring teams on how to avoid fraudulent candidates across the board and then help them, you know, with that. So actually, I think feel like we recommend tightening in certain ways, but loosening, I guess, to your point in other ways. So it's, you know, for all the hiring managers out there kind of distinguishing between, you know, loosening in terms of accidental uh, discrimination, discrimination. Mm-hmm. but tightening in terms of making sure that, um, you know, you're looking to make sure the candidates are quality and that their, you know, their resumes match and they haven't fudged their dates and they're, yeah. you know, the interview style, there's nothing suspicious and all, all these different things. You know, there are lots of things and we've talked about it in many other podcasts, but I just wanted to make that distinction because I think it's important to to figure out which which categories should we loosen, which one should yeah. we tighten. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a really I good point. Agree. And it's really tricky, I believe, from both ends because at the end of the day, you never know who's on the other side of the entire conversation. Um, you definitely have to just use a bit of discernment and just try to be gracious and graceful with the candidate you were dealing with. But definitely that's another thing that I love the way you put it, Becky, was just very beautifully said and perfectly balanced all of the different um, opinions on this issue. But definitely finding that balance of when I'm talking to a candidate to be gracious enough to know who I'm talking with and to understand where they're coming from. Um, One thing that I've seen a lot of people say, and it's been always, it's always been one of my, um, common things to say is even with the hiring people or those who are already in industry is to always remember that we all once did not know what we currently know and we all once were new and we're trying to get into this industry Mm -hmm. so now imagine you when you first started having to get in in today's day and today's atmosphere a very different ball game, but then it's a lot tougher. So just giving that grace to people who are trying to get in, just knowing, like Angela, you said, there are a lot of people out there that are trying to take advantage, whether it's mm-hmm. falsely telling them, we're going to train you, we're going to make you a CRA extraordinaire, when in all truth, that's, <laughs> that's not going to happen. <laughs> it's, it's not going to happen. So the candidates are having to deal with this or we have people who have been trying to do it properly. They've been honest and they're trying and they're applying. Um, Some people are applying like 10, 20, 50 jobs a day, seven days a week, five days a week, however many. And imagine just receiving regularly rejection, rejection, rejection. And while you're receiving all this rejection emails, your bills are stacking up. Yeah. That's a bummer, isn't it? Right. So it's like now and then, of course, with the different jobs, of course, there's a fine line between tailoring your resume to the job you're applying for and fudging that. So if I'm applying for, I don't know, a clinical data position, naturally, I'm going to tailor my resume to that position. 
that to me is not, and you can definitely correct me if I'm wrong or speak on it if you will, but there's a difference between tailoring your resume for the position you're applying to so that it highlights what you bring to the table versus completely creating things out of thin air for the purpose of getting the job. So again, is from both ends, is the understanding of the candidates of what these different CRO and farmers have to deal because they, like you said, like they have to protect their company. They have mm-hmm. to protect their IP. They have to definitely consider patient safety. That is one-on-one clinical research, in my opinion. Your patients come first. Agreed. <laughs> so yeah. these companies have to protect that. And then on the other end, from the companies being very gracious to the candidates is understand that some of them are just really wanting to get in. They're dealing with so much trying to get in. They're looking for opportunities. Some people are taking advantage of them. There's just so much to go into place. So from both sides of the table, I think uh, we all could work together and try to find a balance where we can all get in and stay in this industry successfully. Yeah, I think you raised some really good points. I, I think and, and tailoring the resume is something we absolutely help with as well. Oh, nice. But but the truth is the truth is the truth is the truth, right? I mean, if you were a clinical research coordinator, you were a clinical research coordinator. Saying you mm-hmm. were something different is not. Now we're no longer yeah. having a truth discussion. Now, if you were a <laughs> clinical research coordinator that did other things, or to exactly. your point, you, the company that you work with right now, you wear a lot of hats. So your title is your title is your title, but yeah. what you're doing within that company is a whole different broad spe- spectrum. And I think that's where Unfortunately, you have lazy recruiters out there, um, recruiters who don't know the industry out there. And I could say this because I own a recruiting company, right? So I know it. There's some really crapola recruiters out there. And so whenever you are trying to break in to a, a job and you're trying to work with a recruiter, what we're looking for is we're looking for individuals to be honest with us, you know, yes. and to be very transparent, to be very truthful. Because I can't work with someone if I don't think they're telling me the truth. Yeah. I won't work with with someone if I don't think they're telling me the truth because it puts me and my brand at risk, not to mention the fact that it's going to put my client's brand at risk, right? So I think outside of the fact that we as an industry have a lot of problems to solve as it relates to proper categorization of what a CRA one is versus a CRA two versus a senior CRA versus a whatever, um, a, a clear career path so that we can just break through the barriers for entry. I think that problem absolutely has to be solved. But I think the other thing too is, you know, we need to make sure that that any candidates understand how to recruit their recruiters. They understand how to select a good quality recruiter so that that we can go to market with you and that we can represent you in the best light without you feeling like you have to fudge something because, you know, the title the title doesn't always matter if you have somebody selling the work, right? So I think that's the other aspect that we've got to make sure that people need to understand is you can't trust your recruiters. You can't trust your candidates. You can't trust your mm-hmm. certification departments. You got to be discerning all around and have real honest to God discussions with real honest people so that we can go problem solve together and come up with solutions. I don't know mm-hmm. if that makes sense or not, but. Makes perfect sense to me. And I do love the point you raised up about recruiting your recruiters mm-hmm. because um, I've had that issue and 
I do kind of like throw my hat out there just to kind of like see how it goes on in the different um, recruitment firms and all that fun stuff. I have had recruiters who don't even know the role that you know they're recruiting for and again um <laughs> that's why we're so awesome because we do no, anyway <laughs> so it's like i'm sitting here on these calls and i'm like okay let's go back to see our you know clinical research 101 and trying to explain to them what these roles are so it's like again i really try my best to you know be considerate of both parts right so as a new clinical researcher who's trying to get in or maybe some who's, you know, fairly new, been in here for like two, three, however many years, just under five. I'm applying for a job and the recruiter is telling me, oh, well, you don't have experience. I have had even some of my colleagues who have had like five plus years, they'll submit to a recruitment firm or staffing agency or whatever the case may be. And they'll respond, oh, you do not meet the criteria. And you're looking at the job description, it clearly says four years of monitoring experience. You look at your resume, it clearly shows four years of experience, and they're telling you you do not fit. Or we get on the call with these um, recruitment um, persons and are talking with them, and they don't even know what a CRA is. They don't know one versus two, and it's like, well, how are you going to then interview and recruit people for it? So then I see some people try to adjust like their titles or their um, resumes, just so that these recruit recruiters are able to then see, okay, this equals that. So again, it's really, really hard and it's a very great area to where it's like a cat and mouse game. We're trying to make sure that the person reading our resumes are able to see what they need to see to realize that, okay, this person is a good candidate. And then from the the recruiters or the firms, the CRs or whatever, they need to, they need to then look at the staff and just see, okay, this person is not a fraud, fraud fraudulent CRA. It's just someone who is seeking to help me see their skills and their um, capabilities in this industry. So again, it's it's a really hard um, position that everyone is in, mm-hmm. and. I look forward to the time when it gets better, but for right now, it's it's a lot of moving parts and it's like a cat and mouse game that we're dancing to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I completely appreciate your perspective, Jesslyn. This has been a really, really great conversation. And um, I think, you know, what we can go back to is sort of a uh, a last thought is, you know, process. Process really yeah. matters. It matters on the candidate side, your process for for, you know, representing yourself with integrity and, you know, not fudging your resume, making sure it's all, you know, consistent and all of that, making yeah. sure you do your due diligence to work with a good quality partner who knows what they're doing in the industry. Yeah. And then also a process on the recruiting side and the client side to make sure that we can identify quality candidates without accidental fraudulence and being able to recognize that and being able to um, qualify those folks to do this CRA role that is so important in our industry. And so, without accidental discrimination too, and just trying yes. to rule that out because there's a lot of slayed bodies 
that I mean, you know, along the way, and I'd love to see that problem get solved. Yeah. So I don't know that we solved any problems today, but we sure did talk about a lot of them. <laughs> we sure did. At least we, we, we made the light shine brighter. Yeah, exactly. So, absolutely. Um, definitely. Um, one thing that I think we did have as a takeaway from this conversation is there are CROs, farmers out there that do have some entry level opportunities yes. for. CRAs or new clinical researchers to get in. So now it's a question of where are these CROs and farmers? Mm-hmm. How do we find them? How would how do we find these positions? How do we apply for this position? So that knowledge, um, we need to get there and perhaps we can talk offline about what we can do to make that knowledge available for the public. But at least we know that there are a subset of companies that do have this opportunity. So it's now to make that known to the public. Agreed. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think I agree. I think that's a, a takeaway and there's some action to do there, not yeah. only to identify those those organizations that have those entry level programs, um, but also maybe to come up with some type of a rating system to identify which ones are quality and which ones yeah. are not. Same thing with the certification list is which ones we would recommend you steer clear mm-hmm. and not spend your money on and others. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure where we could put such a central repository, but perhaps we could get some of the key groups with in our industry like the ACRP and, and IOCR and yeah. all of that involved as well. I'll start asking around on my side. Dan's got a broad reach. Maybe you can talk to him about it as yeah. well. Let's oh, let's see yeah. what we can do to just kind of see. I don't know. Again, I don't know where to begin except for just to start asking questions, but yeah. let's go start asking. So yeah. it doesn't well, hurt to ask. Definitely not. Oh, well, thank you. This has been such a great discussion. Jesslyn, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Angela, as always. And thank you to everybody out there listening at CRE Resources. We understand you have so many options when it comes to selecting which clinical recruiting company to partner with. Not only do we take pride in working with the highest quality CRAs and site managers, we also only work with quality pharmas, biotechs, medical device companies, and CROs who recognize the importance and value of a series role. So feel free to reach out at cre resources.com for more information about our firm. We can't wait to work with you.